let's just jump into the Word this morning. Uh, I'm going to put a um, title uh, on this message very quickly this morning, just simply at last. Uh, out of Luke, out of Luke uh, 22, Luke 22, we're going to uh, stand uh, and we're going to read verse 39 through uh, 45. Luke 22, 39 through 45. Let's just jump into God's Word this morning. This is the inspired Word of God. In this word, word. is a power power. to change lives. It says, and he came out and he went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray ye that ye not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed saying, father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Everybody say strengthening him. him. And then in verse 44, it says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly or fervently, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer... And was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. Now what I want to call your attention to, if you're reading out of the New Living Translation this morning, I I actually prefer that translation uh, over the King James Translation. And that didn't happen very much. Because when you read the King James Translation here, it says, and when he arose. So it almost sounds like he just got up. This sounds like a casual day. This sounds like a casual prayer. But a better translation is, it says in the New Living Translation, it says, at last. It says, at last he got up. So during this time, there was a battle. During this time, there was a struggle. During this time, there was a preface of what was going to take place. And what was going to take place was going to be the crucifixion and was going to be the resurrection. And so actually, this story is an emotional story. And it sets the scene that is before the crucifixion. And the resurrection. So in verse 45, it says, at last, at last, Jesus stood up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. If there's somebody here today that does not know you as Savior and Lord, I pray that this would be the moment, this could be the day they could be saved. And Father, as we just reflect upon this text, and I'm not even sure we could ever get our minds around all that was going on with our Savior and Lord. But Lord, today I pray that you will decrease me so that you can increase, that we would hear not merely words about you. Some of us have done heard so many words about you, we're comfortable with that. But Lord, today we need to hear a word from you that would challenge us, that would encourage us, that would convict us, that could even save us so. Lord, just be with the reading of your word, and it's in your powerful, mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. At last, at last, at last could be described as I'm getting to the end. At last could be described as it's almost over. At last could be described that it's getting ready to be 
completed. At last, I don't know if you've ever had an at last moment, but sometimes you go through something in life that is so terrible, that is so draining, that is so depleting, so vexing, so weakening, that sometimes you get to a place where you just say, at last, because at last means uh, uh, I've done taken about all I can stand. I, uh, I don't know if I can even get up from this moment. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I, I'm, I'm just praying that I can get to the at last moment. And Jesus here is in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is perhaps a very strong, preface to the death of Christ because it's at this place we know that Jesus has caused the blinded eyes to see we know that Jesus has caused the muted tongues to be able to talk he has called the deaf ears to be able to hear he has brought back the dead to life Jesus has cured diseases and and Jesus has done many things up into this time. But it's at this time that he is preparing for what would be the greatest moment in human history. The prophets had prophesied about it. The word of God gives us an insight about it. And so Jesus is getting ready. He's at an emotional moment. He, he is getting ready to hang upon a cross for my sins and your sins. Jesus is getting ready to put a uh, crown put upon his head. He is getting ready to have his legs uh, tied down and his hands and feet pierced. He, He is getting ready to have all the sin tossed on him from the world. And he is in preparation for that moment. This moment is up against the crucifixion. And Jesus is struggling between that which is flesh and that which is spirit. Oftentimes we forget that when the Bible tells us that he was born uh, into this world, I mean, I mean, the flesh came down and it was amongst us, that, that he was God and that he was son of God. And then we understand we now have spirit of God, so we see the Trinity, but we've got to understand that same God who sat up there in the universe and called everything that was not as though it was and is, the same God that took nothing and made everything, was the same God that gave us his only begotten son that would walk the staircase of glory and that would come down here and live amongst us and he would become flesh and he would know some of our emotions and he would understand some of our feelings and he would understand some of our pain. So the the the, the, the flesh part here uh, and the spirit part is kind of colliding and the devil is kind of uh, in battle with this spirit. And Jesus is praying to the Father. And it's very interesting because I would start this morning by asking you a question. If, if, if you have ever mixed your desires with God's design, have you ever mixed your desires with God's design? I go Polk County. Have you ever had a moment where you wanted to do what you wanted to do, but it might have not been what 
God wanted you to do. You see, I don't, you ain't got to say amen there because <laughs> I know all of us have been there. All of us have been there. I, I, I mean, people go there every single day. Well, I thought God wanted me to do that. I got a new job at the strip club. God got me that job. Praise God. God didn't get you that job. It's paying more money, Pastor. It's more money than I was getting. I know it was God. That ain't God. That's your desire. And you say, I don't look at those women up there. That ain't God neither. Because you're lying. I mean, that whole thing's going downhill. But that's your desires versus God's design. And oftentimes people try to justify God. They try to justify God. They, they try to put God in a box because they're trying to make it seem like that, that, that God was a part of whatever it is their desire was. And so they kind of put that uh, as though God uh, got that job for them or whatever it is, or they were so desperate for that job or, or whatever it is, they want to kind of tell themselves that, that that was God's design for their life. And some of us in here, I, I don't know, maybe most of us, certainly in that first service is most of us, sometimes we get to places in our life that it might have not been God's design. It might have just been your desire. Can I get amen? amen. I, mean, I, I mean, sometimes you say things, sometimes you do things, and sometimes you wind up places. Now, now I know the servant that you are, and, and I know the sovereignty of God, and I know God's permissive will uh, and God's uh, uh, will. But listen, I want, I want you to understand that, 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 that this being honest, there's, sometimes we get places that God didn't really want us to get to. Sometimes we get into things that God really didn't want us to get into. Sometimes we say things that God really didn't want us to say. Can I get amen? Y'all are doing pretty good, but I haven't got you yet. I'm, I'm, I'm still coming for you. Listen, sometimes the design of God can also bring such difficulty in the developmental stages that sometimes the design of God, when it does co-inline with your desire, all of a sudden when you get into it, you want God to get you out of it. You ever been there? Oh, yeah, you had to have it. But once you got it, you said, God, take this from me. I don't want none of this. Remember that first ugly woman you dated, guys? <laughs> At first, you thought she was pretty. And then you found out later she was ugly. You remember that? Oh, and how about the women? The women are the strength of this church. How many of y'all women knew somebody back in the day? I'm talking about back in the day. Before you got your handsome, rich husbands you got today. I'm, I'm talking about back in the day. You knew some man and you said, that's the man for me. That's the man for me. And, 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 and you started dating him and everything was going good. And then all of a sudden you said, God, remove him from me. God, take him away. Cause him to lose my number. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, just, just, just get there. You know, you know, so, so, so what I'm trying to say today is that, that there is our desires as humans. Sometimes they don't line up with God's design. And sometimes we convince ourselves that, hey, hey, God's in this. God's in this. I mean, this person, 
doesn't go to church and this person's never been to church, but somehow I'm going to have influence on him and he's going to go to church or, or, or whatever the situation is. Understand there would be multiple thousands of desires that we have. But sometimes once you get into it and you want God to get you out of it, sometimes you begin to get anxiety from it. And I don't know if you've ever had anxiety, but sometimes anxiety of the assignment can drive you to file emotional and psychological bankruptcy. That sometimes you get depleted so much in your spirit and in your mind, if you were to write a check for happiness, that check would bounce. I don't know if you've ever been there. And maybe sometimes you look around and everybody else that you know is going through about the same thing. And you don't know anybody that's just normal. You don't know anybody that ain't got themselves into something. Sometimes people are, are just so miserable that they're in need of a miracle. You're saved. You love the Lord. You're faithful. But in that season of your desire, in that season that you got into, your anointing never dismantles your humanity. Listen, I don't care how big the cross is you wear around your neck, how many uh, summa cum laude uh, classes you've done, been taught in your life, how many Christian songs you know, how many Bible studies you've been in, how good the preachers you've been under are, uh, how, uh, how much time you spend every day with the Lord. If you get in the right situations or if you get in the right moments, all of us are subject to go human. Amen. I mean, that nice little granny sitting beside you this morning, you put enough on that granny. You put it up on that granny. I'm going to tell you what, she won't be granny for very long. I mean, she will go human on you. And they, I, know, I, know, I, know, I know all y'all think, oh, that's a sweet little lady's pastor. Don't go there this morning. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you by experience. Any one of us, you put enough human on us. You put enough temptation on us. You put enough uh, demonic forces on us. And we all have humanity. Our spirituality doesn't, doesn't, doesn't take us away from the fact that we're spiritual, but we're also still in the flesh. And what's interesting about this story quickly is that Jesus finds him at this season. He, he finds himself at this stage of life. There's this battle of the flesh and the spirit going on. And it tells us that he goes to the Mount of Olives and he tells his disciples, wait here. And he goes over here by himself. Now that even has a lesson that we need to learn that sometimes everybody can't handle the struggle that you in. Sometimes you don't want people around you when you're in the struggle. Sometimes not everybody can handle your tears. Not, not everybody can handle what it is that you're going through. And sometimes we say, well, why isn't this person calling me? Why ain't this person doing this? Why ain't this person doing that? Look, look, it may not be that they don't love you. And it may not be that they don't care about you. It's just that they're going to have to kind of be behind you a little bit because they can't handle. They can't handle struggle. They can't handle struggle. So don't expect everybody to be there in the struggle. I, I know we like it that, that we got accountability groups and people are always there for us or whatever. But, but there, there's some things that you're going to go through by yourself. There's some things you're going to leave other people over here and you're going to be over here by yourself and you're going to be praying by yourself and you're going to be in it by yourself because it's in this time that God goes into some developing things. Now it's interesting that the Mount of Olives, 
We know that all of us, generally, to be useful, have to be crushed. And one thing that Satan loves to do, he loves to get us to a crushing place where all of a sudden we'll kind of turn our back on God, we'll kind of quit God, and we'll just kind of just move on and head in the other direction. But I want you to know something, that sometimes in that crushing place, whether it was our desire or whether it was God's design, that God can teach you some things that you wouldn't learn had you not been in that place. Now, it says in our text that Jesus came to his usual place. So Jesus had a a usual place that he went to. So separating himself from his disciples wasn't a one-time occurrence. I mean, there are probably many, many, many more that aren't even recorded in the Bible that Jesus separated himself because he had to have some talks with the Father. He had to have some talks with God along the way. He might have said, Lord, these people down here, they really messed up. I mean, you wouldn't even believe what's going on down here with these people. But listen, we know that Jesus separated himself from the disciples. But this was his usual place. It means in reality that if you have a usual place to go to God, you can sometimes get through some of the things that you go through. Because you already been there before and you already know that God got you through before, so God will get you through again. <laughs> My time is short, but I could just I could just stay right there. See, sometimes you done been through enough already, and you done been through the usual place so many times. You done had so many fights with the devils. You done had so many tears in the closets that you go to your usual place and God has got you through before, so your usual place will be God will get you through again. And that's the way all of us are, should be. We should have a usual place. But Jesus here is just in this crushing experience. And I know we love to sanitize this moment, but Jesus says some ironic things here. He says, God, if you will remove this cup from me, now, this is interesting. I mean, I, mean, I mean, we know that I mean, Jesus was not plan B or C. I'm not, I'm not saying any of those things. But Jesus is being so transparent and he's being so human at the moment. He, he, he's, he's telling the Father that, that, that if you could remove this cup from me. And then after he says that, he says, but not my will, but your will be done. I want to give you three things, and then we'll have communion. First of all, you have to always have spiritual maturity at human moments. And all of us are going to have human moments. I, I don't care, like I say, I don't care how big your Bible is, how big the cross is on your neck, how many scriptures you can quote. Right button pushed on the wrong day can lead to a human moment. And Jesus gives this commandment to the disciples that they left me in awe. He says, pray that you will not be overcome. Other translations say that you will enter not. The text never tells us what the temptation is, but he tells them to, 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 to pray. Don't fall into temptation. He tells them that this, and then he leaves them. He leaves them. I believe the temptation that is upon them uh, is a temptation of defeat, a temptation of sadness. I know this morning that sometimes we, I call it sometimes super saved, super human Christians, 
And sometimes we don't think that we are going to go astray or we're going to always overcome these things. But Jesus tells them to, to pray. And when he comes back, we know later that he finds them sleeping, but that's not the point. A lot of times people are praying for signs and they're praying for uh, some kind of God to speak audibly or whatever it is, praying for that move over the top, deliverance. But sometimes God doesn't do any of those things. And if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Sometimes a lot of folks know how to be spiritual as long as they think God is watching over them. But sometimes, just for a moment, you got to understand it's what you do in the dark versus what you do in the light that sometimes God's more interested in. And so Jesus is in this struggle. He's in this struggle before the crucifixion. And so understand that all of us have these human moments and then understand that you've got to learn to trust God to take the temptation even when you're willing to keep it. He says, Father, if it's your will, nevertheless, not my will. It never says Jesus changed his mind from what he was thinking. It never says he lost the desire to do what he wanted. But he submits to the Father. In other words, he still has this will. He, he, he still has this human desire, but, but he eventually gets to a place that he has to trust God. And this is what I want you to catch. If God does not answer your prayer and he leaves you with the burden, can you still trust God to say, not my will, but thy will? Because here, here, here's, here's the interesting thing. We love the burden removing God. We love that. That preach is good, man. I mean, you can preach that. I mean, you can throw that out of the house. The burden remover. God's a burden remover, man. I mean, we love that preaching. I mean, there's preachers right now that are literally rich with millions of dollars and mansions because they preach the burden removing God, and that's the only message they preach. Now, let me just tell you this. God is a burden remover, and God can remove any and all burdens if he wants to. But I don't know if I'm amongst familiar folks today, but God doesn't always remove every single burden. I've been in some hospital rooms and prayed, and the people didn't get healed. I've got some family that I didn't want to leave the earth, but guess what? They left the earth. I've been in some situations where I prayed and I wanted the burden to be gone. I, I don't know if you've ever been there, but, but there's just some burden sometimes that God doesn't remove. And so that message of prosperity and those kind of things, it don't always work. I'm just telling you today, you, you might keep your offering and not put it in the box of the way out. Hey, hey you do what you got to do. But I'm, I'm just telling you, those preachers that tell you all the time that, that your burdens are going to be removed because you put the seed in or you do this or you do that. Let me just tell you what, he can but he doesn't always. But here's the good news of learning to trust God. It says in the Bible that an angel is sent to give him strength. But then it says that Jesus acts like at first he doesn't even get the strength because it says he prays even more, the fervently, because then he begins to have these sweat drops of blood. And so here's the shout. Here's the shout. 
if God doesn't remove the burden and he just simply gives you the strength, then God has really done all that God needs to do in that situation. Because some of us today, we got burdens, but we're still in the house of God because God gave us some strength. Some of us have done been through some things, but God gave us the strength. Some of us have done walked out of some hospitals, walked out of doctor's offices. We have walked through some marital issues. We have walked through some sons and prodigal daughters. We have walked through some diseases. We have walked through some things in our life. And we're here this morning not because God took the burden or because God took the sadness away but God gave us the strength to be able to be here and to be able to make it. We may not run like we used to run. We may not have all that we used to have, but God has given us the strength to be able to get to where we are. We may breathe a little differently. We may see a little differently. We may hear a little differently, but God has given us the strength. He didn't remove the burden, but he gave us the strength. Because we trusted him. And oh man, I I wish we had a lot of time. Because man, I feel like right there I could just explode and go off into another sermon. Because let me just tell you what. God isn't going to always remove the burden. Now you need to pray. And you need to have the faith that God will remove the burden. I ain't less than any of that. But I'm telling you, if all that happens at the end is you get the strength. Then you got all you need. And I'll close right there. If you hold on long enough and you keep the faith strong enough, you'll get to an at last. You'll get to an at last moment. Let me tell you what an at last moment is for me. An at last moment means your life can still be messed up. But you get up every day And you put one foot in front of another. And you know that God has given you strength. And God has given you enough mind to make it through the end of the day. Let me tell you what in that last moment is for me. It means you get up the next day. And God gives you enough strength to see the sun rise. And you put one foot in front of another. Until the sun goes down that night. And then you're in that last moment. Let me just tell you what it means for me. That you wake up the next day. The Bible says that this is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. You get up the next day, you you still got the same problems. You still got the same burdens. You still got the same questions. You still maybe got the same doubts. But you get up in the morning. The sun rises. You learn to put one foot in front of another. And then you get to the end of the day and the sun sets. And you've learned to put one foot in front of another. I wish I could tell you today that God removes all the burdens and every day of your life is going to be easy and, and, and it's just going to be like that, but that's not how life is. I'm just trying to be real with you this morning. As under shepherd of this church, I, I, I don't want to deceive you. I don't want to deceive you. I want you to know, and, and we're, we're getting ready to go into a, a monster series where we're going to shout it out of here about God allowing us to be overcomers. But I, I want to make sure we preach the whole counsel of God in this church. And I want to make sure you understand that sometimes in life you pray and you can pray fervently and God may not take the burden. But if God didn't take the burden and he just gives you the strength, the strength will be all you need to continue on with the burden. 
Because when Jesus had his that last moment and he got up and he wound up going to Calvary, he still had the burden. He still had the cross in front of him. He still had to go through the torture, the pain, the ridicule, all those things. But he had the strength of Almighty God. And I'll close right here with this today. My own second, second close or third close, where am I? I don't even know. <laughs> listen. Know today, my friends, that if God has allowed you to be in it, you're in it to win it. And sometimes the burden being removed is not the purpose or the design of God. I know that's your desire, but sometimes you might have to keep the burden. You may have to keep the burden, but if you get to keep the burden and you still get the strength, that means you can feel God, that means you can know God, and that means you can trust God. And I'll tell you what, I'm not so sure, you may disagree with me here, but I'm not so sure if you don't learn to trust God more when you have to keep the burden and get the strength versus the burden being removed and you go on on easy street. Because sometimes when you got to keep the burden... It's in the darkness that you have to learn to worship God. It's in the doubts and the hard times that you have to learn how to worship God. See, that's the, that, that's the reason why we got some of these empty chairs today, is we got too many Christians that have bought into this false theology, modern-day thinking, modern-day make-preachers-rich theology, where we don't have to keep the burden. Everybody thinks the burden gets removed. Well, it didn't get removed from Jesus. And if you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to have the same tribulations and the same troubles. So don't, don't, don't fall for that stuff. I mean, you can like that preacher and he can make you feel good, but that ain't, that, that, that ain't really correct theology and that ain't really correct doctrine. Sometimes you'll keep the burden, but you'll get the strength to live with the burden. Apostle Paul, we could, we could go into that sermon. I mean, I mean, we could go into a lot of places a lot of us have got thorns in the flesh. A lot of us have got limping. But as long as you've got the strength, you can make it. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father.